How are things going for you? Things are going good. Uh, Kids back in school? Not yet. Next week. Oh, how about, next how about week. yours? Yep. Back in today is our first day. So they're they're back in the swing of, uh, well, today, <laughs> school. They both were up super early. Um, I don't know if they were excited or just anticipation, you know. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think Max is excited, but he was up at way before time was ready way early mm-hmm. we got to school early so it's good it's good it seems like a milestone for the entire family right every year it's like the it marks the passage of time these yep, yep. these regular events in our life yep so it's real good i'm 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 good i'm glad with it because it's uh lily turns 15 on saturday uh, so she's looking already at getting her permit in six months and she has a, a boyfriend for the really first time ever and she's going on her first date on saturday oh my gosh lots of <laughs> so, milestones lots of lots of things happening so but it's good it's good 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 so what are you gonna do this last week of no school oh not much just getting ready just, we yeah. have some stuff for the back to school things, but not much. Yeah, this week has been all, you know, parent orientation and uh, check in, drop off materials and get your locker ready. And then today, of course, it's just all out big. So it's good. And, and I, she's uh, doing was, well? Yeah, yeah, she's doing really good. Um, so she got her final everything this week. So, um, she no longer has any tests coming up. She no longer has any exams coming up, no appointments coming up. She's done. So she's officially in remission. We will, I don't remember when her next checkup is, but she has every six months, she has a checkup already on the schedule. And mm-hmm. then they'll, they'll, I think after two years, they'll say she's cured maybe. I don't know what the, I don't know what the process is, but, but for now she's good. She's doing great. I'm actually going to, this is our 25th anniversary this year, uh, wedding anniversary. So we're going to go on a cruise. Um, the end of the month, we're going to go on an Alaskan cruise. Oh, so where do you, what's the port you take? Seattle. Wow. So we're going to go out of Seattle and then go north all the way to Juneau and then come back down and hit some places on the way down. So we're looking forward to that. That'll be, that'll be fun. I'm excited for you. This Yeah. It should be fun. <laughs> Do you, yeah, is it is there hiking involved? There may be some. She's not going to do any hiking, but <laughs> there may be some. <laughs> well, at least get out and look at some glaciers or look at something. You know, I don't know. So I'm hoping to see whales, a bear, mm. and if they can throw a moose in there, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Mountains. Yeah. I think there's eagles too. So eagles would be really cool to see. So. You know, I wanted to ask you about your experience. You had talked about the the hostage training thing. <laughs> I've yeah. been thinking about it, and I, I thought maybe I, I maybe we could talk a little bit about it today. Um, 
I need to think about it because I'm not sure how much I can actually talk about it. Because the one, one of the purposes of it is to train people that live inter internationally. And so if I talk too much about it, it might put some people in danger. So I'd rather some of it would avoid to talk about. But it was a it was life changing. Really, the experience was life changing. And it it took away a lot of fear. Um, just having a plan, being prepared, it was very, very beneficial. Um, it kind of it kind of goes in with what we were texting about last week or maybe a couple weeks ago about faith, hope and optimism. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a good example of the of the difference between optimism and then faith, um, because we can you know, you we we we, we kind of you and I talked about kind of the separation of the the ideas of the three mm -hmm. and they seem related and I think they are a chain, but they each play a part. And so optimism is thinking, well, I'm optimistic that nothing bad will happen. So I won't have to worry or com confront that. Well, then hope is okay. So isn't I optimism hope. like more like a trust thing? Like you kind of trust that. It's kind of wishful thinking because it's not based on, it's sometimes not even based on reality. Mm -hmm. It's just optimism. And so sometimes it can be bad because we are blindly optimistic to something that is right in front of us sometimes, you know? So I, I've been around, I wonder what you think about positivity and when positivity becomes toxic. Like, is there such a thing as a toxic positivity? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I think maybe our language is a little bit different. So it's hard to, hard to, I think first we need to figure out what we mean when we are saying certain words, like sure. optimism, for example, or trust, or, right. or realistic or unrealistic, or hope or faith. Those are things that are so commonly used, but there's, they have such unique kind of meanings to to us mm -hmm. and right. the way we understand. I agree. And I, agree. I think being a pastor, I'm curious because I think that's what you talk about. I think that that right. is something that's kind of your your soul language. So I'm curious about kind of how you frame it for yeah. yourself and for others when you when you're talking about it. It's very very good to have common language because all of those understandings come through the nuance and what we mean. And then you have language barrier, not just not just like a different dialect, but the language barrier of the culture you're in. And so I, I totally agree. It's really good to define terms. <laughs> so it's even when we talk about God, our, like if you say God, that brings a implication of something and it's really based on your experience and your upbringing and culture and and so we could be having a conversation and both of us use God interchangeably and mean something different. So it is very important to define the meaning or the terms we're using. For sure. And, so, you, have, and you, you know, you have lived in Costa Rica for a long time. And I, I bet that influences oh, culture yeah. there, influences the way you think. I, I was born in India, but half of my life I've lived here and most of my life in in america has been in oklahoma so i feel like it, that does color my 
my perceptions and color kind of where I stand because we are not isolated islands. Right. Well, and when you have a conversation with your mom and dad, as opposed to a neighbor, it's a different level of understanding and you don't have to explain things to your mom and dad as much because you're both, you know, when you're thinking culturally, it's like an old shoe. It's easy. You just kind of, this is what I'm used to. But when you're talking to your neighbor, you might use different language because of the misunderstandings there. And then you're right. I mean, my time in Costa Rica, Central America, Panama, Honduras, it, it affected even the way I communicate with people because working with indigenous people, uh, working with city dwellers, you know, very modern, very affluent people, working with poverty, people on the poverty level, people educated, uneducated, there should be a there should be a way to communicate to every single person so that each person is understood and, and heard. And so that really has affected the way I would slow down and try to understand what people are, what they're meaning, but also try to explain what I mean too. And, and so some of my language almost in the States, I've been told that I speak very simply, but with deep thoughts. And it's because mm -hmm. I'm trying to use common language to express a deep feeling or something, something existential, something beyond ourselves. But that's, I think there's a language that everyone understands and we got to find it. You know, we got to find that common ground. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm curious, do you have like a story that comes to mind when you are thinking about this, working with different people in different parts? Do you have, were you thinking of something as you were, uh talking yes. about it yeah it was um so it, it's really a threaded story that is it starts when i was nine years old so it, it's a thread because you know when i was seven six or seven my parents decided they were going to move to central america and for me as a six seven year old i had no idea about anything so the way my parents were explaining what was going to happen is we were going to speak a different language and it was called Spanish. And I didn't know anybody that spoke Spanish. I'd never heard Spanish. And all I knew was food from Mexican restaurants like taco, burrito, enchilada, you know, and then we get to Costa Rica and they don't even eat those things. So it, wasn't, <laughs> it was not helpful. <laughs> and so as a nine-year-old, trying to communicate with people that did not speak the same language, mm -hmm. the same words. And this word structure really was unsettling because, you know, you look into a human's eyes, you see that you're, they're your, they're your age and you're, you could be friends, but, but you can't get past this language, these words. And it's interesting because as a child, I became fast friends with kids that we couldn't even use the same language together, but pointing and smiles and gestures and then and then picking it up and saying it in English and they'll I'll give it to them and they'll say it in Spanish and it was like we became fastly communicating because we we didn't speak the same language and so we found a way to communicate and it actually helped me accelerate my Spanish learning because we found common ground and then we'd be able to we eventually be uh, understood how to communicate which was cool because they learned English while I learned Spanish. So I have a couple friends that became bilingual because we were doing the same thing back and forth. And so oh, that well, was that's really, cool, really cool, which is really neat. Well, then as you grow and you get older, 
Um, How long did it take you know, you, for you? I to, thought that was behind me. How long did it take for you to <laughs> feel like uh, you could, like, not a stranger as far as the language was concerned? So there's a level of fluency and you can communicate with words in, in six to eight months, but that does not mean you're fluent. Mm -hmm. um, even after two years, there was some struggles with fluency because just because you can put words together in a sentence doesn't mean you're expressing emotion, doesn't mean you're expressing, you know, your dreams and your hopes and your ideas. You're just speaking a language and translating everything in your head. So for me, uh, I went when I was nine and when I was 14, something hit me where I began to dream in Spanish. I began to express future desires. So there's a specific um, way that the, the sentence structure works in Spanish that in English you say, I hope to someday, and then you say it. Well, in Spanish, it builds in, there's an extra sentence structure that, that you build into the conversation, this anticipation for something that may not happen, but it's something down the road. And so when you can get to the point where you can actually express that in Spanish, I really think it takes about five years to be able to share emotions and dreams and, and to dream in the language and not think about it, not translate anything. You're just talking like you're speaking any other language. And it's, uh, it's, in it's interesting because it almost happens just quickly. It's, it's like you become, it's like an infant. You, you say a couple words, dada, mama, and you learn and then you grow. And then eventually you can put some sentences together, but you're still kind of, childish and then all of a sudden you're just like expressing yourself like an adult you know it's kind of a it's like that so it depends on how much effort and energy and how, how many people you're surrounded by in that language because um, it's really hard in the states to learn fluent spanish because so many of the spanish speakers are trying to learn english and so you lose some of the surrounding culture you know mm -hmm. uh, it's really third culture here so so anyway yeah i was it was interesting. And I think as you grow older, I don't know what your experience was like learning English, like if it was part of the expectation in India or you learned along the way. I'm not sure. Maybe you can talk about that. But I, I think as you grow, you have other experiences. And if you don't rely on that, remembering, I don't remember. I remember what it was like not to speak Spanish. And I remember how frustrating it was. So when we begin a conversation with someone and we're not speaking the same terms, it can be really, really frustrating. That's that's for sure true. I I always knew English because because of the British influence. Our offices are in English. We have uh, most of our schooling was in English. So we had we had a couple of Indian languages, but really the math, the science, the history, the geography, all of it was in English. And the medical school for sure was in English. So I knew the language maybe in a more bookish way, but not in the communication way. I feel like it took several, several years for me to really uh, dream in English, think in English, talk kind of in a conversational way. So for sure, yeah. I think my transition was a little bit easier on the surface, but then I feel I had a harder time kind of with the emotional language, like that's another yes. level of yes. uh, nuanced communication that happens when you are digging deep into and then being in touch with the other person's 
thoughts and feelings and then giving language to those almost non-verbal things that go on in a interaction exactly that, that is exactly right the experience i had was the technical part you could get mm -hmm. but the emotional part came later um so and i don't know if you can reverse it i think you i think as a kid intuitively the emotions came first and that's what helped me become a fast friend with someone mm -hmm. but to truly express that they were my friend came much later um so it's a it's a it's interesting it's a, it's really interesting so i think when we talk even today about words that we just throw around um it's very very easy to assume that we're saying the same thing yeah but and for sure like i think our cultural influences are so different like i grew up in india and then i've been here you have had a completely different set of experiences so the language does uh, the language is just one part of the the vocabulary but it's also important to think about the context agreed agreed and i i think as as you go along in your spiritual journey things take on different meanings in different parts of your life uh, as a young maybe or maybe as you're a teenager things are different and for you the experience of being a teenager was not a normal one because you <laughs> had uh, you did did not know if you were going to live and you had a you had quite a traumatic uh, medical intervention so yeah. for you that was a very very different time in your life yeah and i think uh, we've we've mentioned this but it kind of sets up almost like a second opportunity you either grow up really fast because of the the trauma because of the whatever it is you know the fighting for survival or you come away from it almost humble to the point of okay i better make this worth it and so you got to you got to work really hard to actually become yourself because you think you're living for everyone else because you have another chance you have another chance at life so don't mess it up you know <laughs> and so and i really didn't know that was happening until years later um probably five five to seven years later i realized oh wow i'm living i'm trying to prove something like i deserve to be here mm -hmm. um and i and and so or to, or to prove that me being saved from cancer okay this validates it you know and so it's it's very it's it's interesting psychologically just how your mind works through that and how you force yourself to you force yourself into situations and try to prove that you deserve to be here um so do you feel that maybe impacts your calling like uh what you just said for sure how for are sure. they connected i think I, um i think everything works together everything in our lives good or bad works together for some purpose and some good and so i think even the the cancer experience the growing up overseas the relationships i had um coming back to the states for college meeting christy when i worked at an insurance company translating it's like all those things work together so i think in my experience or in my life god used all those things to lead me down a path where i've ended up right now um and if i could do it 100 times over i probably would end up right here even if i took a different path and so it's kind of an interesting you know the the it's not even over yet but the the position where i'm at right now 
I, I trust that. And there's that word trust, but I trust that, um, I would end up where I am because these experiences brought me here. So it, it definitely influences it. And it either makes you more empathetic. It either, it can either make you empathetic or bitter. It really, depending on your, your, uh, analyzing or processing of the experience, you know, mm -hmm. to me, it, to me, you've just taken the really positive, uh, take on it because you, you have framed it as a second chance as, as kind of life worth living and not a life full of pain. So right. that's, uh, that's, that doesn't always happen because it's some, some of the traumas are really just heartbreaking and hard to cope with. For sure. Christy and I are watching a show on TV. Um, we're always looking for some quick show to watch that we can do together. And there's a, there's a show. I don't even know how old it is. It has three seasons. They're short, uh, but it's called trying. And it's, mm -hmm. um, it's about adoption. Mm -hmm. And when we watch the first episode, it's a British show. And uh, so they, you know, they have the British accent and for us, we attracted to that for some reason. But, um, but as we're, we're watching it, the first episode was so emotional that I said, I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can watch this. Uh, cause it really hit home for us. And so as we're watching through it, we just finished season two last night. There's only eight episodes in each one and they're only like 30 minutes long. So not very long, but the way that whoever the writer is, is very, very in tune to human emotion. <clears throat> and so taking the negative or positive, uh, twist on experiences, this show does a great job at putting it into words. And so mm -hmm. Christy and I talk almost every episode about, man, that was really good writing, man, that was a really good delivery because they take the uncomfortable situation that you're in of desiring to adopt or desiring to foster, desiring to have a bigger family. And then they actually say in words what you're feeling and what you even say in private. <laughs> and they're just putting it on a show. So we find ourselves laughing. We find ourselves crying. Last night I said, I can't do anymore because I was just crying because <laughs> they were they were trying to separate these two kids and the brother and sister. And I was just like, no, you know, it's just like, so it, they, they do a great job of tying you emotionally, but I, it would not work if Christy and I hadn't gone through what we'd gone through. It wouldn't be the same. And so because of our experience, it's almost like our experience brought us to, to emotionally connect with the show, which is, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, it's almost interesting to, to see yourself going through that. It's really, really strange. I know some of these shows have such amazing writing. I feel like, it's like uh, being immersed in a novel, which someone's yes. acting out. Like I was thinking, it's a little bit like this. And it's about stories that we connect to and uh, learn from, like the parables and stories that we've always connected to. So this explosion right. of uh, TV shows with amazing writing has been has been quite quite impressive. Yeah, and it's been it's been fun. Um, to discover them and then, you know, go through the emotions of them. And then you think that there could never be another one that would do that. And then there's another one and you're like, what in the world? You know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It really is amazing. But, but I think the writers of this show and a couple others that we watch have to be, have to be professional people that have, have really studied human experience, human emotion, maybe even through systems theory, something they're doing something because the way they're putting it in the language, I'm like, man, <laughs> this is just too, it's too good to just be random, you know? You know, but some people are just really in tune with 
with thoughts and feelings with or without yeah. training i feel like they are just it could be there's some there's just too good at it it's like self awareness maybe maybe aware of just the yeah. way you process through yeah it does take effort it does but so how would you define optimism then when you think optimism what 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 do you think like it's like a belief that things will turn out okay <clears throat> without having the actual proof right in front of your eyes and then maybe the faith in goodness like like there is good in the universe um and you deserve it uh, in in some sense so for me it's not a negative thing to be optimistic and even if things don't work out you maybe foolishly believe that that they will or just hold on to the faith or trust so to me it's not a negative thing to be optimistic i think uh, maybe we are primed to focus more on the negative because that's more of a survival instinct if you are able to fix the problems then you are more likely to survive or if you are able to pay attention to the challenges or problems i think maybe we tend to ruminate more on on negative things negative experiences but uh, but i do think that somehow maybe you even you even attract good things because of the fundamental optimism that you have yeah i think i would i would i would tend to agree on that aspect of the attractional part of positive or good things because of the optimism i think um i think we're close we're so close in the way we think about optimism um because i i have people around me that that aren't optimistic and it's almost like they have brought that into their lives and so things seem, seem to not work out and seem things seem to be negative but i think it's a survival instinct i think we in our survival instincts at the base level know there's danger we know there's heartache there's hurt there's sickness and so then there's a temptation to just be always negative but i think optimism and positive positivity are different um optimism at times could be based on nothing other than i know it's going to be okay you know i think no matter if it's good or bad it's going to be okay and i think that's actually a good outlook um it's healthy because you're you realize you're not in control once you think about life <laughs> you mm -hmm. think about life at all on a big level on big scale man we're not in control but i can control how i respond to it and so the optimism is almost my response to a life out of control like i it's going to be okay and because you respond optimistic to it then there is good that happens and you see the good you you have a better chance of seeing the good than if you're always looking at the at the bad um, and optimism is powerful it really is powerful because it affects other people around you too yes for sure and isn't it like having faith and kind of trusting the universe in some way that it will do right by you or right good things will happen see and i and i i separate faith because of my spiritual journey so mm -hmm. faith for me actually does have an object and does have proof and does have consequence. And so when I when I think of faith, it's not wishful thinking. You know, it's like faith is not just optimism for me. Cuz mm -hmm. cuz faith is is deeply rooted in an experience and a person. And so 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 
how much faith can we have in people? And when we place our faith in people, so for example, some of us don't have a, don't have a choice when we have a heart problem and we have to have surgery. And so we're going to have open heart surgery. If you don't have a little bit of faith in the doctor that's going to hold your heart in his hands, then you're probably going to have a difficult time even signing up to do it. You know, so faith is tangible because you're putting your faith in something. So it's not just blind. It's not just out there floating around, mm -hmm. you know. And so, you know, and, I, and, and I'm, I'm speaking for you, but your and my approach to the universe is even a little different uh, because my my approach to the universe is that we are insignificant and yet and yet we're a vital part of it. And I believe one person controls it all. Um, God and in particular, Jesus. And so my faith, the object of my faith is Jesus. It's not wishful thinking and a hope so thing. It's it's very, very tangible in a person and it's because he claims to be god and when i trust that he is god my faith increases in him and therefore i can i can look to the future and say man it doesn't really matter what happens because my faith is in a person and he's never let me down yet nor has he let anyone down and so he's all powerful so so faith for me is deeply rooted in a person however i exercise faith in people sometimes too. And so it's, I can't say that faith is only spiritual because I, I have a, I have a house and my faith is that my house is not going to blow over with a tornado because we built it in a certain way. So, so mm -hmm. I can see the way the building happened. And so I have faith that my house is going to withstand a storm, but I also have an extra level of faith because I built a, a safe room. And so if a real bad storm came, I even have faith that I have a place I can take my family and get through the storm. So you see how it's like, it's, it's something that I planned ahead of time and I tangibly saw it happen. And my object of faith happens to be that safe room for a tornado, mm -hmm. but my soul has no faith in the storm shelter at all. Cause I could just as easily die in the storm shelter as I could on the street or in anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so my, my soul has more faith in the existential or in the spiritual or in the supernatural but my eyes and my actions actually have faith in the tangible which is storm room or people or my car <laughs> you know mm -hmm. we exercise faith every single day but that doesn't mean it actually affects our soul mm -hmm. so i think defining faith depending on if we're approaching it from the soul or from just the things we do and so hope has a place there but hope is not the same thing you know mm -hmm. so what's your when you think about faith and optimism because they they are correlated and yet there's something deeper when it comes to faith so how how do you think about faith and i will so as as i was thinking about what you said i i feel like uh, for me it's a little bit different and i'm not sure now i got all kind of wrapped up in how you defined it <laughs> i might have to uh, think a little bit more about what what i what I define it, and of course, it's kind of my perspective because it's different than yours. Uh, right. The the work that we do is a little bit different, but but for me, faith is kind of the faith in the intangible and unseen. Mm -hmm. 
yes, there is this practical security oriented need to have like all of these things, a shelter and a job, kind of the security things that you do. You you make sure your children uh, are doing the right thing because that's kind of those the the check boxes of day to day living that you that you do. But then the faith kind of for me supersedes all of that. Where it's is this is this belief that things will be okay. Things at the end of the day things are okay and it all works out. Uh-huh. So. For me, that's that's a little bit different, and then it dreams is. are also kind of like these aspirations. Yeah, yeah. That uh, uh, it could be just just daydreams, but just like well, without a dream, though, you may not even know to pursue something that will be bring that peace into your life. So, like a and and it's more than a daydream because you you and I, you know, there's several kinds of dreams, but you know, either just a dream while you're sleeping or a dream daydream, or even a dream of, man, I, I can see this. Now, how do I get that? And that could be a dream, you know, the Valley of Flowers experience that we've talked about multiple times. It's, it's almost a mystical thing now, but mm-hmm. pursuing that could be accomplished, not just by going to the Valley of the Flowers, that, that, that dream can be accomplished even in other places without even going there, you know? And so I think, I think dreams are, are vital because without a dream, we almost don't change maybe without a dream. To me, they're almost like these, uh, these journeys that we take on and they are the directional points. So it's dream is like almost like the light uh, that draws us in and makes us walk the path because yeah. that gives that a true north or maybe even just the light that that you choose, you can have many lives, but you choose to go towards a particular, particular, or you choose to walk a particular path, a particular journey, and that's the dream that you that you pursue uh, to uh-huh. to walk. And so those are the little and the little uh, stones that you step on because uh, of where the journey is taking you and you've you've talked a lot about like it's not important where you are but the direction or even where you come from but the direction or the journey that you're on more so than right. Right. than uh, than the past that you you've had yeah that's one of my life missions really is just it's really about the path that you're heading towards not the one you've not even the fails or the falls or the stumbles or the heartaches. Those are all important because they make up who you are, but all those things aren't as important as where you're going. Um, and I think, it, I think where dreams and faith collide, and this is where for me is so big because dreams and faith collide when you find the source of your dream, because the dream came from somewhere. Um, it didn't just appear out of nothing there was there was some dream maker there was some dream giver there was some there was something in you at and when you were created that that brought about this dream or these dreams and therefore for me the faith and dreams collide when the dream maker and the object of faith are pointing you in that same direction and it's a it's a powerful thing to discover because everyone discovers different 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 ones but almost all of them lead to peace and lead to 
fulfillment and flourishing and your place and purpose in the world, it all really kind of comes together, you know? And so dreams and hope or dreams and faith really are extremely tied together uh, from, from my perspective. And they don't seem like they do until a certain point. For sure. I, I will, as, as you were describing it, I was thinking of this unique thing that each one of us brings to the table and it, it's maybe the dream maker or who you are meant to be kind of like fulfilling or finding your place and purpose in the journey with others not it's not a solo journey i feel it's it's a journey which is defined by the people that we share i mean it's it's as much about who we are walking with uh, as much as about where we are walking towards so i feel like what we bring to the table it's it's just so much individual like like the partnership of our partnership has yeah. been like an illustration or a, or a story in that in that uh, framework for me. Yeah. Well, I, I sent you a picture when I was in um, Estes Park a few weeks ago, and it was just this huh? path, and it was just a path going off into who knows where. And I sent it because it struck me when I was walking on it. It was a plank. It was a board plank, and it was over a green area. There was a lake on the left, and it was just a path. And so I sent it to you and I was like, oh, this reminds me of our experience. And then you were like, this is a lot like faith. You know, this, we don't know where it's going, mm-hmm. but we know it's going somewhere. And it's actually a good, it's a good trip. You know, it's a good, it's a good experience. And so even, even that illustrates really well that I know I'm on a path. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you where it's going to end, but I, I have faith and I have, I have hope and I have a dream and I'm optimistic that it's going to go somewhere positive, you know? So all different facets of a, a similar diamond, you know? So, yeah. Really. Yeah. I love so, And I think that's what it, yeah. And I think the, the, the diamond thought is, is what we're talking about. It's the life is interesting and we could look at it from one perspective or we could turn it. And as we turn it, it's a different, it's a different color and it's a different facet and it's a different light reflection. And, and then all the, you know, all the science and refraction comes into it, but you're, you're twisting this diamond and every side has a story and every side has a meaning. And maybe this side's faith and this side's optimism, this side's hope and this side's, you know, chaos and hurt and pain. And it's all this facet of, of our life. And, and it's a beautiful thing. It really is a, a beautiful thing. And I, and I think I tend more towards the positive, not in a, not in a toxic way. And we can, maybe talk about that, but I, and not in a toxic way, but more in a, man, I've been through some really hard things and it's okay. It really is okay. Cause I, in the end, if I can really reflect on it, my life is, is more, um, fulfilling mm-hmm. because I've gone through pain. Uh, my life is more empathetic because I've been hurt. Um, I can understand people better because in some ways I've, I've been through that. You know, and so that that makes a more rich life. Makes sense. And as 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 you were speaking, I was thinking about the toxic positivity that you mentioned earlier. I would think that it's mainly about kind of almost denial of the pain that you might be experiencing. And That's it. So if you are not able to allow yourself to feel the pain that's inherent. Yes. And inescapable 
part of who we are then it feels inauthentic it feels like you are reading a script but not living or i i agree and well and it's the the toxic part is ignoring you said it humanity it's the so i grew up in a religious system that was very very um controlling and i'm no longer in that but when i was a child it was that way and so it was like don't worry about it uh, you know someone broke their leg oh it's okay it'll be all fine well no that's that's it's okay to sit and be sad <laughs> it's it's okay to cry it's okay to acknowledge that i just had a bad experience um not just to get over it because what i what i've learned over the years is people that just get over stuff quickly carry it with them forever they don't actually let it go it actually is like a piece of luggage it's like the backpack that mm -hmm. um i think uh tisha was it tisha was talking about it yes i think tessa was talking about the tessa, backpack sorry. that we yeah. that we carry that we all bring and carry and, what and so if you don't acknowledge pain or acknowledge suffering and you just want to get over it, you carry it and it becomes toxic. It becomes a weight. And I think I think that's where I was kind of getting at when I was talking about toxic positivity, because in religion, many times people say, oh, God knows it's OK. Well, it's OK to say it sucks. <laughs> you know, it's OK to say, oh, this is terrible, you know. Um, sometimes some of these like feelings it. can be really dismissive, right? These st statements or these these approaches can be dismissive of what yes. an individual experiences in the moment of pain when you are just too quick to say it's going to be okay or you should not, or sometimes we, we might even say I should not feel pain or I mm. should trust or I should have faith. So it's in, maybe even invalidating an aspect of your own experience. Yeah, I that I think that is is accurate. And then it when it goes into mental health and and uh, people that are struggling with either a chemical imbalance or some kind of trauma they're dealing with, when there's toxic positivity, it overlooks the need for sometimes of intervention sometimes, and it's dismissive of the intervention that's needed, whether it's through therapy or through medication or through hospitalization. I mean, it's it's definitely it's not self-serving. It actually will 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 be detrimental uh, mm -hmm. to mental health and physical health and spiritual health because if everything's good and we don't ever acknowledge bad, man, we're we don't get a chance to actually be human, and that's mm -hmm. where we that's where it doesn't work. For sure, sure. And it's almost forty-three minutes, and we've uh, we've recorded. My original hope was that we will not go fast. Yeah. 45 minutes and we are recording. <laughs> Except you have me on a microphone and that's trouble. <laughs> we, are, we are both uh, likely to keep, uh, keep talking. But um, we I, need I an think, external timekeeper. <laughs> well, no, I, I am the external timekeeper. I, I have another, another way of another person in the head that says 45 minutes is a good pause point because uh, I agree. I agree. It's a good bite sized hot discussion. So. That is good. Well, and it's always enjoyable to talk with you and process through this, these kind of things, because these are, this is very helpful, even, even for me um, to remember to slow down and make sure we're on the same page. You know, that's good. Yeah. Well, let's uh, pause for today and uh, we can, uh, we can keep doing the bite-sized things. 
Love it. Love it. Very good. <laughs>